Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast. In each episode, we'll discuss key talent issues and topics today's insurance leaders face. The Insurance Talent Podcast is produced by the Jacobson Group, the leading provider of talent to the insurance industry with your host, Greg Jacobson. Hi, and welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast. I'm Greg Jacobson, co-CEO of the Jacobson Group. On this episode, we're going to explore the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the insurance industry. We had the pleasure of talking with Ivy Kasinga, Chief Culture Officer at Chubb, and Margaret Meister, President and CEO of Symmetra, about how they've prioritized DE&I within their organization's strategic vision and how that commitment shapes their business. One of my colleagues at Jacobson, Brett Carter, former diversity partner at Munich Re, joined us for this insightful discussion. Hi, Ivy, Margaret, and Brett. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi, Greg. Hello, Greg. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much for inviting me. Margaret, why don't you start, um, if you could just uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell everybody about your role and tell everybody about Symmetra. Uh, sure, thanks, Greg. Um, well, my Margaret Meister, and I am the president and CEO at Symmetra. Uh, and Symmetra is a a company that actually were fully owned um, by a Japanese company called Sumitomo um, and been around for over 60 years and participate in the employer benefits markets, um, full range of annuities markets and life insurance marketplace. So a wide set of uh, places we engage in the industry. Great, Ivy. Yes, hi, hi, Margaret and Greg and um, Brett. Uh, thanks for having me. I am Ivy Kasinga. I am Chief Culture Officer for Chubb. For our listening audience, uh, Chubb is a global PNC insurer with large um, mid market and small businesses. And we also have a fairly sizable book for high net worth uh, consumers. Um, obviously, trade with brokers and agencies. Um, across our distribution channels. Uh, and we are based in five regions, uh, 54 countries, and have about 31,000 colleagues working for Chubb. Great, great. Thank you both. I'm going to kick this over to Brett in just a moment. I do want to just say I am so excited about having this conversation because, you know, I think your organizations have really turned uh, DEI into a competitive advantage. And I, I do want to talk about that. Um, and I, I think that there are really some great lessons for everybody to learn about what your organizations are doing from that perspective. So Brett, uh, please take it away. Okay, thank you, Greg. And I just wanna say thank you again, Margaret and Ivy. It's such a pleasure to have you sharing some time with us today. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with the both of you. So um, I'd like to just start by asking you uh, just a little bit about how you actually define DEI within your organizations, and then and then maybe why you've made it, uh, why you've made DEI a priority for your organization, because we know that having some type of level set understanding of, of what you mean uh, and what DEI means to your organization is important. So how have you approached this, and uh, and why did you make it a priority? And maybe Margaret, we can start with you. Uh, sure, thanks, Brett. Um, so, you know, with DE&I, and, I, and I, you know, it's an ever expanding to really get your head around what's the full definition of this as you um, learn and, and grow through time. But, you know, we're looking at it from the lens of representation, fairness, and belonging. 
uh, you know, so diversity is you want to look across and, you know, I'll, I'll focus on some of the internal, like look across your whole whole team and, and see uh, the representation um, on, on a variety of different levels um, and, and perspectives and pers um, um, backgrounds. And then, you know, equity is that fairness, mitigating the biases that might um, creep into your organization um, that, that hold people back. Um, from uh, fully engaging in the companies um, and what we're trying to do and fully um, enjoying and, and, and uh, having a, a rich career. And that again, belonging, the inclusion. Uh, you, in a way, I feel like you know it when you feel it. And this is not something you see, but people know it when they feel it. Like, do I just feel part of this? Um, but, and that's talking about it internally, going to the second part of your question of, why are we making this a priority? This is actually, um, you know, I think it's the right thing to do. It's representative of, of the progress we need to make inside our companies, inside our industry, and representative of, of the journey that really this country needs to take um, and, and move forward. Um, but we think it's a strategic initiative. Uh, we have a, a strategic plan as a company, and we call out this as a specific strategy um, because it's so important. We know what, what's going on with cultures in our teams and employees is critical to, critical to our success, success, but also being able to reach out to the broad set of customers that we can really serve and who need what we do. Our industry does fabulous things um, for people um, and making sure that we are reaching all the people who can benefit from what we do. Um, and recognizing though that it's different how we how we reach them, how we engage with them, um, et cetera. Um, so it's it's critical to make it um, strategic and and fully embrace it into all of the DNA of your companies. Thank you for that, Ivy. What would you what would you say? So there's going to be obviously a lot of commonality in how Margaret is approaching the work and how we at Chubb are approaching the work. I think I would say one of the distinguishing factors for Chubb is we position this work as integral to our culture. So we don't really have a chief diversity officer role. We have a chief culture officer role. We figure that culture is your operational environment. Everyone experiences the company culture, whether they are frontline, middle management or the senior executive. And the way that culture moves um, is a strong nod or resistance to issues of diversity and inclusion, right? Quite simply for me, diversity is just the fact of difference. We all have diversity. And actually one of the biggest myths here is that white men are not diverse. Like everybody points to diversity pointing to others. <laughs> actually, we're all very diverse, inclusive of white men. This is just the differences of background. Inclusion is the behavior. It is the actual practice, daily practice that makes me feel as an integral part of your team if I'm reporting to you, Brett. Equity for us is a goal, right? You're, you're working towards an outcome that is hopefully a meritocracy for your organization, but your outcome ought to be one that provides opportunity, visibility, and frankly, advancement for anybody that is willing, has the aptitude, has the mindset, and has frankly, the energy to rise in your organization. 
the, the one area that I think Margaret also alluded to is really this sense of belonging, because I think for us, the engagement of our employees is what I attend to, regardless of where they exist. It's, it's this idea that people feel a collective sense of agency, a collective sense of duty, a collective sense of participation. Because while leaders do have a big stake in how DNI issues um, are governed and how they are shaped, um, uh, my observation is that all of us honestly exist at a team level. So if I'm working for Greg, my experience on Greg's team is, is a byproduct of what is going on around these issues within that team. So this idea that people have to enlist the participation of everybody so that everybody feels a sense of belonging, I think is also a very critical notion to, to this general topic. Wow, thank you so much for that. And I could not agree more. Very powerful insights from both of you on that. And, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of ask you, uh, and Ivy, I'll pose this to you first. Um, what's kind of been the impact then to your organization uh, with uh, prioritizing DEI um, within the organization? What's kind of been the impact? And has that led to the business outcomes that you desired? This, this is like getting the report card. You're asking me for my report card on, on my, the work that's ongoing. And, I, and I, I'll be very honest, um, Brett, that, that I really don't think that you can claim success in this area, right? There's something very unique about the DNI practice. You know, this is not calculus 101. We're a very data-driven organization. We can make very good decisions in a very clinical way using the data we have. Diversity, equity, and inclusion work depends also on human complexity. It is very personal. And so my degree to drive Chubb's execution while I have very strong commitment from my senior executives is subject to the knowledge of my leaders, is subject to their discerning nature, and is also subject to their willingness. So while I accept the grade at a corporate level because I hold, you know, I hold the corporate strategy and take really oversight for it, it's a varying grade, right? I have some leaders that are very discerning and deeply committed, profoundly so, despite of where they actually even worked. And then you have leaders, obviously, that still struggle to see these issues, that really are still on a very early learning journey. And so I think I have a very temperate way of thinking about success. What I talk about is it's a long-term journey. It requires tenacity. And it requires, I think, a very fueled commitment for the long term, because, you know, again, the other characteristic of diversity, equity and inclusion issues is that they're frankly trying to redress societal inequities, right? So, you know, there is a piece to this that you're really trying to achieve better social justice, better equity for everyone, regardless of where they exist. So I don't think it's an area where you can look at success in a very singular way. I think it, it's one where you look at incremental successes, 
you look at the design of your organization, you look at what you're measuring, you look at your practices, you look at your learning, and, and I think you'll have to address it from many, many areas. I, I think personally, I would still say my grade is, is probably not where I want it to be. If I'm really also being self-honest, I think we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I can appreciate that. I'd probably give you a much higher grade, Ivy, but you know, uh, Margaret, I would, I would pose that same question to you. Um, yeah. What's gonna been the, the impact of prioritizing DEI in your organization? Yeah, and, and I really appreciate um, Ivy's answer a lot because there is that tug in the pull. This is a very human set of activities and, and what, how, we're, how we're individually, every single one of us in the organization is growing and stepping into DEI and stepping into, frankly, you know, um, being a, a fully engaged team member um, and for themselves and helping others. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, insurance companies, we have metrics galore. Um, this is the nature of the business. And in fact, you know, the, the tendency, um, I think, is for us to try and want to create too many metrics here and prove things to ourselves. Like, um, and we have to be selective. At Symmetra, you know, we're still kind of going, what are the right metrics? And then at what level of tracking accountability do we need? And, you know, some of that, you know, you have to just be honest, where are you? Do you even have um, diversity in all the places on the organization, et cetera? So there's, there's some clear report cards that you need to be keeping track of because you, if you aren't, you aren't going to be able to even um, get progress. Um, and then there's the softer things. It is, are you seeing that personal growth in yourself? Are you seeing a change in the conversations that you have, like, you know, that I have with my direct reports, that my direct reports have with their direct reports and teams, um, the engagement of all employees in a, doing engagement surveys, what kind of commentaries are you getting? Uh, you have to have all of the, you know, frankly, this is a little bit more qualitative type of stuff um, to help you kind of see um, and get a sense of, of, of your overall um, progress with regards to the culture of the company and the team and the engagement. Um, and striking the balance of accepting our people growing versus like, you know, sometimes you have to be tough. Uh, if there's people who are intransigent and just not going to participate um, yeah. and, and stepping into that yeah this is not an optional like this is we are actually really committed to this being we are we're trying to create a diverse and inclusive and fair environment and it's it's not oh go do a training or sit in a conversation but not participate and then go back and do your job and and then you know you've done your part it's it really is true different changes in behaviors um, ways that I also look at how are we um, bringing this to life and making progress is, frankly, is the topic coming up in conversations that are unexpected? Are you seeing meetings going, gosh, we're talking about this product and we're thinking about taking it to this market and look at us, like literally no one in this room 
even represents that market. Yeah. And we haven't solicited any actual information to, to give us a sense of or if we're even on target here. Um, to me that, you know, if you start seeing people being cognizant of, yes, I bring something to the table, but what's missing from the table, which is really uh, sometimes frankly hard and stopping and going, hey, we, ac we actually need to make this a bigger table mm -hmm. and bring in more voices, tremendous progress. And then actually letting those voices fully speak, engage and shape and influence you know, what happens from that point forward. Um, how do you measure that? It's really hard. It's like, literally, you have to watch and observe, but it's critical to seeing it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be um, able to give a good report card. I know, I know we're early days, but I think I've, I, I might feel like I'm always early days. I wish, I wish that's not the case, but I think I always will feel like that um, because there's just so much that, um, that you can do to fully embrace and bring this to life. You know, I have a follow-up question to both of you, uh, Margaret and Ivy. Um, based on the fact that there is a lot of subjectivity to this discussion or to the you know, measuring success here, how do you suggest that leaders talk to their key stakeholders, whether they're investors or, uh, you know, a parent company, whatever the case may be, in order to explain the importance of this when there's, it's difficult to measure? Well, there are measurements that you, you, you know, so um, for instance, uh, we signed on ACLI last year, um, created a sense of, a set of commitments um, and every CEO who's a member of the board of the ACLI signed on to these commitments on with regards to racial equity, which is only one lens of course uh, of the DE&I conversation, uh, et cetera. And so there's different metrics that you can report on that show, you know, for the external eyes, are there, is there progress in this organization? Is there tangible things that are translating into results? Um, so I think that that's critical, um, and it's, it's, you know, a way of creating a, accountability. Um, and frankly, you know, uh, I, I'm so grateful that you invited, um, us to, to this conversation is putting yourself out there. Um, cause you know, there are companies that are struggling to figure out how to get started and what's the first steps and, um, it, whether they be your your competitor, the brokerage firms you're interacting with, investors, your board of directors, or or, or whomever, um, just put yourself out there and engage in the conversation. I have yet to find anyone who just says, "Whoa, why are we going there?" Mm -hmm. Ivy, do you have any thoughts to share with? Yeah, to I mean, I I think you know, it it, it deserves to emphasize that your talent management and your talent cycles really are a big point of measurement for any company. So I think in answering your question, Brett, I think I painted broad strokes, but the way you're hiring, the way you're advancing and promoting, the, you know, who is getting visible and complex roles. Um, you can look at that by gender balance. You can look at that by representation from ethnicity. You can look at that 
from from any kind of lens that that is unique and interesting to your business right so you kind of have those points of measurement but but i think in telling the narrative like i think from from a chap perspective we certainly do have quarterly reporting that goes to Evan and the senior team, we certainly report at the board level because we do govern those statistics. I think Margaret's point is well taken that the statistics will only give a certain measure to your organization. And I think there's a piece here around the actual experience of people um, that, is, that is harder to quantify, that is harder to impart, but I think also belongs rightfully in the dialogue because some of these issues are really about breaking down the unseen barriers to entry right so you can have a woman sitting at the at the heart of your business but she still feels very constrained in how she leads and how she manages you can have people of color joining your groups but they still feel very constrained in their participation so i think there's there's dialogue around your metrics which I think can be meaningful for your key stakeholders. But then there's also dialogue around what are we doing to really create a, you know, the, a, a type of company or a type of experience where everybody, regardless of who they are, is unencumbered by their difference. Bottom line to me, you get the best performance. It's a talent play for organizations. I mean, this is how I see it, right? You know, Especially under the pressures of retention that all our businesses are under and how difficult it is to, to actually hire people these days. This is a talent play. You get people who are willing to participate in your organization who can fully express themselves and do not have to worry about these other variables where you get the best performance out of the individual. And I don't care what business you're running, we all want businesses that optimize talent. So I think you know there's a really meaningful conversation there around optimization of talent as well. Oh, I really uh, appreciate that answer. And certainly, you know, in our experience at Jacobson, we talked to a lot of firms who are, are echoing just what you said. Um, there's a, a real uh, yearning and need to bring diverse talent and to be inclusive in that process within an organization in order to reach the, the optimal future state. So, I, I mean, I think that's great. Um, kind of coming off of the, the holiday, the, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, many of us, including myself, have made commitments to lose the extra pounds that we've kind of put on. But the harder part is holding ourselves accountable to that. So but my question for you both is how are you able to hold yourselves and others within your organizations accountable for these DEI strategies and, and goals that you've set? And maybe, Margaret, we can start with you. Uh, sure. Well, and I think accountability, we all know that that's a super important um, element to, to really um, uh, getting progress on, on anything, whatever it is that we're, we set our minds to uh, achieving. Um, so we have not gone as far as um, making like 10% of your annual bonus will be tied to DE&I. Um, but we have, so at, when we look at, um, for, for my direct reports and, and other members of the management team, when we look at individual, um, performance assessments, work on DE&I is included there 
And you, but it needs to be unique to the individuals because their organizations, their teams may be in different places. So what your, you know, where what your expectation is for one portion of the company may be different than another. Just kind, kind of what's um, what's what's going on in their teams, um, and it also has to have that subjectivity of of do do and and, and it's a discussion like, is there actually that personal commitment? Um, of growing and you know there all of us have to look in the mirror go home at night and reflect um, etc and and be willing to expose ourselves um, to our colleagues as to boy that was a learning for me and and I you know I wasn't the best I could be if I'd known this or or frankly I just wasn't um, the best I could have been even though I did know it um, so so we are putting it in the element, but not like this prescribed exact percentage of, of people's uh, you know, annual bonuses. Um, it is a topic in uh, my direct report uh, meetings, uh, literally weekly <laughs> or bi-weekly, depending on the frequencies I have of meetings. It's a topic um, at my SLT level. Um, so, you know, we, we by trying to keep it a, a topic and in conversation um, on a very, very regular basis, whether it's reviewing reports or again, looking at, hey, we're building a product, how are we infusing this into um, this process to transform the process versus how it used to be? Um, you just have to, to be on it all the time. Um, and then, then it becomes less feeling like accountability and more feeling like this is just a natural part of what we do. Yeah. yeah. And it's very out there and present at all times. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Thank you for that. Ivy, what would you say? How are you handling yeah. that at Chubb? I mean, I think it's, it's a similar picture for Chubb. I think our board is focused on issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So our chairman and CEO, Evan, is focused on these issues. It becomes a way you integrate, I think, the level of focus and accountability at that level of leadership. But, but I concur with Margaret. Like, I think we're not prescriptive in accountability. At least we haven't moved to that stage. And I think that has a lot to do with where we trade. I mean, you know, if you trade globally, the realities culturally are very nuanced by country, by region. What you, what you think of demographics um, is going to be very different. In Asia Pacific, that is something very different than it is in Latin America. So you can't really ascribe these very prescriptive uh, goals at the very centralized level. But I think what you can do is place a very strong emphasis and accountability, driving accountability through succession planning. So as part of uh, succession planning, every leader is expected to have a section on, on this subject for their discussion. And I think it's, it's, the, it's the same way we calibrate any management strategy is, is you code it as an expectation for all key leaders you find ways in which to illuminate their progress or lack of progress. And I think over time that does become hopefully um, the, sort of the routine way in which you're operating. But, but I also do think for issues of diversity, equity and inclusion, you do need 
um, to be, you, you, you need to remain a little bit dispassionate as to your successes or your progress, right? So, and that's the role I play. Like I, I have to be the voice to our senior executives, to our managers and our leaders to, to push a little bit more externally, because I think any company is subject to the, to its own winds of what is they're doing well or what they're progressing. And I think they, there's almost a natural sense of complacency when you're only dealing with yourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's important to also remain a little bit dispassionate and to check on the outside. So I'm very disciplined about spending time with other practitioners, with other companies, just to really have uh, a lens to tactics or ideas that we probably need to still institute because also that builds accountability from the, out, the outside in. Because otherwise you sort of, you, you're, you're subject to your own Kool-Aid and everybody likes their own Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> everybody enjoys their own drink. But, but I think you need to remain a little bit dispassionate on this, on this particular issue. Yeah, that's I think that's, awesome. Go ahead. Go ahead I was Marie. just going to say that is just an excellent, excellent, excellent point. And that's why if you're engaging in these conversations with more outside parties, you, you can't help but learn. Like that is like the nugget of the day for me. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And it's kind of, Margaret, it's kind of alluding to what you said earlier, like how, how we know when we get there, well, you, you'll know it when you feel it, right? And, and, and until we really feel it and we can't just, you know, trust ourselves, we need to check that externally, um, you know, then we have more work to do, right? I, I think that is fantastic insight. Um, as we kind of start to land our plane here, I'd like to ask you both one, one last question, which is really what advice would you have for other leaders who may be earlier on in their DEI journey at their organizations, but maybe are having some difficulty moving DEI forward or getting stickiness or getting people to buy in? What advice would you give those leaders from organizations that might be in that, that situation? Ivy, let's, let's start with you. You know, I, I don't like to give advice, but I will give you some points of consideration, right? Because, you know, you know your culture best, you know your company best, and you, you're, the, you're the best decider of what I think can stick in your company. But here's a consideration, right? I think many of us as business executives build our companies to sustain them, to leave a legacy behind that we can be proud of, that we can point to, that Chubb should outlive any of us that are working for Chubb today. So in my mind, you build for the future. That's the way I look at this issue, Brett, right? So if you're really interested in a sustained business, you're building for those that are coming behind you. You're building for the next generation. The next generation is much more diverse in its demographics, in its expectation of diversity. Chubb today, is 47% millennial. That is the statistic I'm giving you. So that's who's in insurance. That's who is inheriting our business. So out of pure self-interest to build a business that's sustainable is you want to bring people to that business to sustain it in the best shape possible. So again, it comes down to me to a talent play. You want the best people working for your organization facing the future of your organization. So the, it, to me, it's a no brainer. You, you have to commit to these issues. Thank you for that. Margaret, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, well, the points are, are, are excellent, you know, um, and some of my thoughts here is a little bit it is about you as a person, though. Mm -hmm. And um, if this is something that you really, really believe in, um, never doubt your, your creativity to help it um, breathe life and, and help foster um, creating the culture and, and, um, um, and getting more and more people in the culture engaged. So if you, you know, uh, one, like for me, I actually do look at it as, as a legacy. I look at it as it's important for the, the I'm trying to hand off a Symmetra to the next generation and it, it's this is just as well as being a good financial steward of the company mm -hmm. and, and figuring out how to be a good competitor, you have to be good at this mm -hmm. as well. Um, and so super important from my perspective for my legacy. But you know, if you're early on in your journey, invest in invest in yourself and your own growth, mm -hmm. find the people who are with you. Um, if you're actually able to have conversation about it in your company, um, then that tells you your company actually is open to it. Mm -hmm. Lean into that. Recognize, you know, there's days that aren't as good as other days. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, it's, it, it plays out over time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just keep, you know, keep just leaning in, growing and bringing others along with you that people will come to people will come to you this it's so positive it's it's it drives so much success so much more positiveness in the culture and sustainability of the organization there's just no way this isn't a, a good magnetic way to pull pull um the culture along with you um so that's that's what my thoughts would be well, thank you both for those uh, thoughtful and provoking uh, answers. And thank you for all of your insights today. I really appreciate the conversation. I think our listeners are going to really appreciate the conversation. And it's such an important topic to have. Hopefully, we can do this again. We could talk to you for hours and hours. But you know you have other things to do and you're, and you're very busy. So, so thank you again for your time. And um, well, let's do it again sometime. Brett, yeah, Brett, thank, first of all, thank you for leading the conversation. Great job. Uh, Margaret and Ivy, that was just um, that was just a tremendous uh, tremendous to listen to. Great uh, learning experience for me. Great uh, insights. I really very much appreciate it, and I think our listeners will too, and the industry will, because I think this the industry is looking for ways to 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 make an impact in this area. So thank you so much. Thanks to Margaret, Ivy, and Brett for sharing their time and insights with us. This was an absolutely incredible discussion. As the industry makes strides towards a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable environment, their perspective is absolutely invaluable. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe to receive new episodes of the Insurance Talent Podcast as they become available.